Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that we are all, all life is interconnected and interdependent. So that literally means we're all connected. Um, what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And also ancient wisdom and um, spirituality, science is just catching up, but ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. So when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is everything is here to help you with Matt Kahn. Thank you so much, Matt. I so welcome you to Awake to Oneness Radio. Please. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. It's truly an honor to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. The, like I said, the topic you're, you've been writing many books and have been doing this work for many, many years. Um, mm -hmm. Your latest book title is Everything is Here to Help You. I have a copy of this. I just want to make sure you can read the title, a copy of Matt's oh, latest yeah. book. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sending me that. Um, Matt, I'd like for you, now I'm familiar with you, and I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with your work, but for those who are not, can you share a bit of your journey and how you have evolved to this wonderful person that's writing these wonderful books and sharing all this wisdom with the world? Sure, absolutely. It's my honor. You know, it started out when I was a kid, and I would notice that I would feel certain way around other children. And at that age, what I was doing is I was interpreting the emotions in their bodies that I could pick up on. And I was interpreting it to be what I thought it was their opinion of me. So if I was around a child who was sad, I would ask myself, what have I done to make them upset? If I was around someone who was angry, agitated, I would wonder, what did I do to upset them? And so I lived a life, like many of us, as what's called an empath. Mm -hmm. And I lived in a state of what I call vibrational codependency, which means I take responsibility for other people's feelings as if I'm the cause of it. And this created a very deep confusion in me where I didn't know how to separate my experience from other people's feelings. And I spent the majority of my childhood trying to cheer up most people thinking once they felt better, they would then approve of me and like me. And throughout my journey from childhood on, uh, always being very psychically open and attuned, uh, never shutting down my abilities, uh, that, that idea never struck me as luck would have it. I began to go on a journey throughout my life that really ramped up when I was about, let's say, 18 or early 20s. I can't remember the exact time. But at that point, I began to receive downloads from the universe. I began to get direct insights just pouring down as if I was under a waterfall of insight. And I began to make sense of why can I feel other people's emotions? Well, as your radio show talks about in the law of oneness, your emotions can be felt in my body because we're interconnected. And I started to realize that as I was picking up on other people's emotions, I started to be able to have space in my own experience without being 
bombarded or influenced by other people's experiences. And I went through this really radical uh, accelerated path of being activated as a healer. Uh, but instead of being a healer who was doing energy work personally, I am an embodied space where as I speak, healing energy comes through my being and the sound of my voice to merely manifest all of the healing, awakening, and transformations and integrations that one would need to receive. So I live as an open space, an open channel of universal wisdom, and as a column of light that helps assist the world in awakening so that we can all experience the oneness that you described. So true, so beautiful, so beautiful. I love that, I love that. So this started early on with you, very good. And then you said in your early 20s, your late teens, early 20s is when you got all this download of information. Yeah. It it continued from that moment forward. When I was 20, it started. It's been happening every day since then. And it's only accelerated to where I live in this waterfall of insight. My intuition governs every part of my life. My intuition guides my choices. And at a certain point in the path of surrender, what surrender actually is, is surrendering to that wisdom and surrendering the need to choose where there's something inside of you that just always knows. Kind of like, you know, if we went to a restaurant and you looked at all the menu options, there's something inside of you that knows I'm going to order this dish. And so if we were to apply that simple insight to letting that inner wellspring of wisdom make decisions for us, instead of trying to mentally calculate our way to our desired outcomes, that's really the path of surrender that allows us to shift out of being dense victims in physical form to being an open space where the light can enter and be grounded into the planet for the awakening of all. So beautifully put and so absolutely true. See, mm. for me, it was a gradual awakening mm. and I, was, I wish I was in my early 20s when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it actually was, um, that's why I speak about science in the beginning of my intro because it, it was actually science that mm. I, I had been studying metaphysical principles and spirituality off and on for 30 years. Mm-hmm. But it was quantum physics that yeah. truly awoken me to the truth of oneness. And once I woke up, and it was a, not an intellectual awakening, it was an internal, a heartfelt internal awakening. I get it. Right. There is no separation. We mm. are all one. And we, you know, it's so amazing. But uh, I'd love um, for you to, for us to, because I love this, everything is here to help you, which yes. is you were saying, and following that inner guidance. And that's yeah. what I've been, since I my awakening, I try in every now moment just to go with the flow, following my <laughs> inner guidance in every now moment. So please go share more about that guidance, inner guidance we all have inside of us. Yeah, and inside of us, we all have a knowing of what we're meant to do and where we're meant to go. Now, sometimes we're not always aware of the parts of us that are aware. And, and so I think it's really important to, when we shift into following this inner guidance, it can't be done in the same kind of micromanaging or fear-based way as, as when we've tackled many projects in our, in our past. So it's kind of like when we're doing it from 
the basis of the ego versus the soul, which I talk about in my new book, Everything is Here to Help You. From the ego's perspective, it's I want to make decisions in every single moment. I'm going to follow my guidance. And it's basically coming from an intensity of being afraid to not follow your guidance or to miss an opportunity. And when we're coming from the soul's point of view, we're simply coming from a relaxed place of there is something really wise inside of me that already knows what's meant to happen. I actually don't need to know what's meant to happen because there's something inside of me that already does. All I need to do is when I come upon a choice, all I need to do is ask myself, what is the choice that aligns with my highest wisdom? And I'll either get a thought of inspiration that points me towards that option. I will get a feeling that pulls me towards one option versus the other. And then I simply make that choice and I move forward. Now it doesn't guarantee that the choices are going to bring you exactly the things you want, it will guarantee that it will lead you in the direction of facing what's next to be encountered, to heal what's ready to be healed. Everything we want and desire will come to us eventually, but to know that we're not here trying to align choices for a specific outcome, we're only following the wisdom that says, here's where you need to go in order to catapult to the next level of consciousness so that you can embody a higher frequency so that wherever you go, you're radiating a higher current of consciousness that is uplifting humanity. And as we continue to go through our upgrades and shine that brighter light for the well-being of the planet, it's at that point that the universe often rewards us with auspicious abundance, miraculous synchronicities, and a life of ever-unfolding peace and fulfillment in exchange for the mission we're fulfilling. That is so, so true. I love how eloquently you put things, but it's so true. It's, it, and it's for me, I say it's more of your head intelligence as opposed to your heart intelligence. Like mm. when I said, when I woke to the truth of oneness, it wasn't from the head, like intellectually, it was from the heart intelligence. Right. And if you know anything, I'm not sure if you're familiar with HeartMath that has mm. been doing a lot of research on heart intelligence right. and your heart intelligence, which is a feeling. Like you said, when you're, when you're facing a, a, a choice in any now moment, there's a feeling from your heart that will lead you. And then yeah. there's a thought from the brain. That, and they're usually not usually the same. But right. when you learn that it's the heart wisdom, that heart, that feeling intelligence right. that will guide you in the right direction, you just kind of go with it. Like you just like, and like you say, it's, from, it's a knowing for me. And I know yeah. that everyone's different and everybody comes to their understanding differently. And that's mm. fine. We're all unique aspects of God. So knowing that, that, that our connection with God, divine, universe, whatever terminology wants to be used is sure. fine. But knowing your connection to all that is, is what I like to say. That's my term for God is all that is. When you know that you're connected to all that is, that we are one, yeah. and you know that what you need is right in here. Mm. And it's just a quiet, I call it the monkey mind sometimes, but I know that, see, and I say that not in a negative term because everything I know is here to serve us. So That's our right. mind is here to serve us. Sometimes right. it can, sometimes it can get us into trouble, but yeah. it is, it is here to serve us. Um, so 
knowing that, okay, what does my heart say about this decision? And what does my mind say? You know, you can even distinguish between the two. And when you understand that the heart intelligent, that feeling is your soul. Your soul saying this is the way, this is the next step. And the other thing I discovered, the soul is only going to give you one step at a time. <laughs> uh, he's not, so your soul is not going to lay it all out in front of you like you said when you yeah. take that first step, step you really have no idea where it's going to lead and understanding it's okay and you don't need to know where it's going to lead just trust that it's mm. leading you where you're supposed to be so, absolutely I love how you put that and you know just to add another flavor to this conversation um, because, you know, all of us are on individual journeys and we're also on a collective journey. So there's the collective journey of mankind. And a lot of us who are in individual journeys are at a much higher level of consciousness than the collective journey, which is why we don't wait for the world to wake up in order to shine brightly. Um, and when we start really waking up, what we basically do is we uh, detach. And when I say detach, it's actually something that happens energetically. It's not something we can personally do. But we wind up detaching from the collective current of evolution and we decide that we're going to start evolving faster than the world is paced to, to wake up. And what happens is, um, and a lot of the light workers have been in this trajectory for a while, where the lower chakras are activating and the higher chakras haven't quite activated. There seems to be a displacement between lower activated chakras and higher activated chakras. And what happens when that occurs is because your mind and your heart, when you're fully integrated, are both aspects of divine light, or all that is, as you so eloquently put. And when that happens, your heart gives you an answer, an impulse, and your mind becomes the wisdom interpreter of why that choice is so meaningful in your journey. Now, in the beginning of the journey, when we have lower chakras activating and upper not activating, or we have some amount of displacement between upper and lower chakras, Right? Some people have all upper activated, lower are making their way. In my journey, my upper chakras activated way faster than my lower chakras um, because I was coming back into the body. But when we have this, what I call chakra displacement, the mind is still a conductor of conditioning and your heart is the knower of your wisdom. So of course, this is where we get into this notion that you know, the mind is just coming up with its own ideas, but we got to really trust the heart out of the mind into the heart. Now that is true because at an initial stage of awakening, we are bridging the lower chakras and the higher chakras. And of course the midpoint is the heart. So what we find as we continue to awaken, all of our chakras get activated. We, 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 we wind up clearing all the carbon DNA, activating the crystalline DNA, and really synthesizing our soul into human form. What we find is that the mind and the heart unite and actually start working together. And of course, as on the inside, our mind and heart start working together. On the outside, we have much more harmonious and fulfilling relationships. And then over time, we start to perceive a world that looks like it's coming together as a reflection of how come together we've come to be. So, so true, so true. Heart math has a terminology for what you just described, that heart and mind coming, it's called heart and mind coherence. I love coherence, it's one of the yes. most, it's, it's a great word. 
Yes, 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 yes. And that is so, so true. The that heart mind coherence is mm. is is amazing. Because like you said, that's when you, you know, your your mind is not battling what your heart is telling you your right. mind is is saying yes follow your heart that's what your right. mind is telling you <laughs> yes so so true yes so and, and like you said like i said for me i know it was science like i've studied spirituality off and on for many years and i still there was still a missing piece mm-hmm. for me until i i watched a uh, documentary called what the bleep i'm not sure mm-hmm. In 2007, I watched that documentary and it was an awakening to oneness, understanding that nothing is separate from me and that in truth that we are all, we're creating, I don't even like to use the word co-creating. I don't (laughs) like to use the word co-creating because that's still, that's saying there's two with the co. Take out the word co, there's still just the one. Right. It is just the one. We are all holographic, which I, when you understand that holographic is meaning, I love Rumi's quote, mm-hmm. you are not a drop in the ocean. You are the ocean in a drop. So we, we are all, I love that quote. We are all God in his entirety mm-hmm. in a drop. <laughs> And I know that the religious people would have a problem with that, that terminology. But we, you know, we're so, like you said, from programming, from society, from church. From, yeah, I went to Catholic school for six years. You <laughs> survived. So, yes. And the thing, so our programming is, no, God is up there and God is all power. And you're just a little teeny tiny, you know, when we, that, that programming makes us feel that we're so small. Hmm. But in truth, we are, we're, 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 in, in aspects of the all, we can look at ourselves as small in quantity, but in that small quantity is all, is all of God. And when you understand that, you understand, okay, I am creating my own reality and everyone out here is creating their reality. And we are co-creating because we're all, you know, take all those 7 billion Uh, co-creators and put them together and we make the whole we make the one Mm -hmm. so when we understand that truth and it has to be something like I say all the time I'm not a guru I don't even call myself a teacher I call myself just sharing the truth that's in my heart and that's why I was inspired in the middle of the night three years ago to start this podcast and Mm -hmm. I didn't even know the word podcast at the time so like you said, it's it's going within and and tapping and and I I believe we all do know what spirit in our heart is telling us, but we a lot of times we the, the there's not that coherence between the mind and the heart, mm-hmm. and we just are conditioned to follow what the mind is telling us and not listen to our heart. Absolutely, and you know, the, and the hilarity, and I say this because it's all innocence. Yes, we all, we all, on some level, know what spirit's trying to tell us. We're just negotiating for better options. Um, and and again, you know, you touched on earlier. We were talking about um, religion, and I think you know one of the reasons why religion can be a gateway to spiritual awakening, although it's a very 
slow drawn out process for sure mm-hmm. is that the initial stage of awakening is that it's actually easier for a beginner level awakening being. And I say that with respect, just like I would respect a third grader who has to go through third grade to get to fourth, fifth into the PhD program. So exactly. no judgment on the level, but in the entry level of awakening, it is easier to find peace in profound smallness and it is a much more advanced journey to find that same peace in our profound bigness. So we have a lot of people on this planet who see themselves in a very small way because the first level of awakening is find peace in your smallness. And then as you expand that peace, you are being initiated and ushered into a reality of finding peace in your ever expanding bigness. And for people to go to that bigness directly without first finding that peace and that smallness is often too big of a leap. And in religion, one of the most interesting things about religion is that of course, religion has these little nuggets and kernels that if we decode it with the right mindset, we can find entry into divine light. But oftentimes what what intimidates religious um, people or a religious institution, many reasons, why this type of information or or teaching is so intimidating is because if we could know ourselves as the divine, it wouldn't mean that we would take responsibility for all that's happening in the planet, but we would be required to take responsibility for the choices we make in our lives as contributions to how we're helping to turn this planet around and transform it into the vibration of oneness that you speak of. And of course I speak of. So I think that it's really a combination of people are first finding peace in their smallness before they can find peace in their bigness and the level of personal responsibility that is required when you realize yourself to be divinity is often too intimidating a level of change that people are ready to receive and so i say that seeing the world awakening on many levels and again with the utmost compassion just as we would love our children through them adjusting from elementary school to middle school or high school We are just loving our brothers and sisters as we adjust to the evolutionary changes of a new paradigm of heart-centered consciousness. That is so, so true. And you know what? I came up with this. It's so true. I came up with this kind of image Mm. of a baby, a a one-year-old, two-year-old trying to walk. And and I'm like, say you're fully an adult and you're watching a little baby trying to walk and they fall down now you're going to just love that baby and just you're not going to think any negative thoughts about that baby and that's exactly what i think about humanity as we we all are awakening gradually and some are some are in kindergarten first grade second grade third grade you know all different levels but you don't judge that baby that's trying to walk you just love on that baby so that's exactly how i think about it because it's all un. that's what god is all that is is unconditional love yes so there's no there there's no judgment with unconditional love so so true i love how you put it and then you you went to that analogy of the child but i had that helped me to say Mm. you know if someone is a little bit more asleep there's no judgment there it's yeah yeah and and to add and to piggyback on what you're saying you know if we're going to talk about divinity let's 
let's look at one of the most intriguing qualities of divinity. So when we look at divinity, whether we've heard stories of a light parting through the clouds and touching someone's life, healing someone spontaneously, uh, you know, giving Moses the Ten Commandments, you know, whatever, whatever, um, pushing me out of the way of the car and avoid averting disaster, right. a mother's knowing to uh, help her child, whatever it is, or the light coming for us at the end of a lifetime and taking us into heaven. Right. Every time we are witnessing the glory of God, we notice two specific things. We notice a God, well, of course, we notice a God that is all-knowing and all-loving, but we notice in the action of God, a being who is all-giving and requires nothing of those they give to. So as evolving gods in human form, what happens is we tend to judge those who are still stumbling and crawling and not walking. And if we find ourselves still in that judgmental tailspin, we have to ask ourselves a very interesting question. And the question is, instead of judging myself for those that I judge, for each person that I judge, let me ask myself a question. What am I expecting of them? And what do I believe they're withholding from me just by being true to their journey? Because the truth is everyone's being true to their journey. Everyone is walking, stumbling, and crawling at exactly the right pace for their journey. But the question is, what do I think I'm being deprived of? What do I think is being withheld from me? And what do I expect of them that they're not making good on a promise I've made with them that they haven't known I've made with them? What do I think I am deficient in that requires me to judge this person for their journey instead of support and abide as the all-knowing, all-loving, all-giving divine light that I am that gives, that honors, and is replenished by its own generosity without requiring anything from another. So true. So beautifully put. That is so true because when we, we come to the point of knowing that yeah. we are that aspect divine light, we are a mm. uh, holographic because that's an important piece of it that we're mm. not a tiny piece of it. We're holographic. We're all of it in a tiny yeah. form. And there's that, person on their journey you honor and even you don't have to it's not about condoning and agreeing with anybody right. else's path but honoring them as unique divine light that's what mm. they are and you honor that and you don't so and and just loving that person regardless of what their path is and honoring them giving them the height their respect to live their life. Now you can share like what I'm doing and like what you're doing. We mm -hmm. share our truth and a person can accept it or reject yeah. it, but yeah. it, it's no judgment on them. And so saying like what, what we're sh doing is sharing our truth. They're sharing their truth in their mm -hmm. own way, in their own, you, you know, in their own timing. But when you're, when you're awake and knowing that there all is now, meaning that we are all spirit and we all truly do in spirit know who we are. Right. Um, when we've chosen to come and have this limited human experience, you have to honor that. And actually, when you're, you, you witness a person going through a lot of hardship and struggle and really maybe taking it out on the world, mm -hmm. um, you understand that actually they're being they're blessed they're being a blessing to us 
and a blessing to all of humanity. And their soul's choice was a very courageous soul's mm -hmm. choice. Because on the soul level, the soul knows. But now this, for the soul to say, okay, I'm going to forget everything. And we have, mm -hmm. we say, we've, I'm going to forget everything I know and come down and really, really, really take on a lot of challenges. That is a very courageous soul to do that. Yes. So you really need to honor them more. You know, when you, when you, when you, and, and in a sense, when I say, because it's all, it's all equal, because love is all equal, but in a sense that they took on even a bigger piece of the pie to, to, to uh, delve into. Um, you look at them and you honor them. You honor, you, I say namaste silently silently to everybody I pass. I Namaste, even if you pass, I go, I, I don't live far from New York City. And of course, when I go into New York City uh, <laughs> on rare occasions, you, find, you run into homeless people. And when you see them, I say under my breath, Namaste, because they have taken on, their soul's journey, journey has taken on something, you know, really courageous, a courageous soul's journey. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting level of initiation when um, a soul is at a point in their incubation stage, which is just meaning that they're still growing in a very uh, internal way that hasn't quite become externalized yet, right? Because when, when, when we are the light, we are the truth. And so when we are evolving, that truth lives in us, it speaks through us, and it chooses as us. And of course, prior to all of that, uh, which is why, of course, the Buddha would say, right speech, right thought, right action, um, to say that when, we are, when our souls have awakened, <clears throat> we are living as the truth, we're choosing as the truth, and we're speaking and responding as the truth. Prior to all that, uh, through free will, a soul also has the ability to build up the pressure and momentum to cause the inner geyser of awakening consciousness or the inner volcano of a consciousness to explode and what creates that pressure is often uh, a vision quest like journey of adversity where a soul is learning to turn inward to a deeper voice of guidance and in order to do that we have to kind of play out all of our human um, impulses we have to listen only to the voices of our human carnal desires and at that point the inner voice of knowledge is quite repressed and dormant like a book inside of us that remains shut instead of cracked or fully opened mm -hmm. and so when we look at a journey such as you know whether we're any kind of adversity uh, we are really witnessing a new generation of awakening consciousness that is opening up in humanity at a certain pace and of course, as you so beautifully put with the namaste, we honor those beings. Uh-oh. Uh, darn. Oh, I guess. Oh, I'm. Oh, God. Okay, let me see if we can, I can get you back. Ah, uh, okay. Let's see if I can get you back. Uh, can, can you hear me? 
We are back <laughs> with Matt, and he was mid-sentence. We did have a little bit of a power outage here on the East Coast, um, and Matt is on the West Coast in the sunshine. But Matt, please uh, continue. You were mid-sentence, if you can recall. I really have no recollection of what I said, <laughs> but I will say that, um, you know, it, it's just energetically these things happen, you know, power outages. I'm you know, I, I'll do an interview and burn out the battery of the camera or Wi-Fi will cut out. And, and really, you know, it just, it just really calls to our power as light beings that our light becomes more powerful than the technology that seems to govern our everyday uh, lives. And what I think is interesting, it's another way of looking at the ascension of humanity. It's where we shift from outer technology to running our lives to being in the flow with the inner technology that creates life and guides us along the highest trajectory of our soul's evolution. Yes, I, I totally agree. Like I, I think I said to you, when, once I got you back, once I got power back and got yeah. you back, this uh, I've been doing this like 120 shows and this oh. is the first time this happened. But honestly, like you just said, shared, I go with the flow. I mean, mm. I know all things happen for our highest good. We get unplanned. Of course, the power outage is unplanned. Um, but I don't freak out like I used to. Now, yeah. the old me would be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I don't do I breathe into whatever. Right. I breathe into the moment. I breathe into whatever happening. I may not, not, not always find out or even know the highest good of everything that happens. And, and I don't sure. have to. You know, it's just knowing in my heart that what happens happens for our highest good. So I just go with the flow and I was just like, I got to get them back because we, <laughs> we were going so well. So I'm trying to remember where we where we were um, ended because and also thankfully we didn't lose anything. All of the uh, recording that we did before the power outage is still saved, thankfully. So um I'm trying, I know we were talking, I know we had the conversation about um, not judging, you know, yeah. not being in judgment of people where they're at. And I, right. I use the analogy of a baby trying to mm. crawl. Watch, when you watch a baby trying to crawl, you just sure. have nothing but love in your heart. So that's mm. the, how I am with people as they evolve, as they grow. And I know we were talking about growing individually and collectively because we mm -hmm. are one so i think you, you were around there is where you were sharing yeah and i think what i was <clears throat> talking about was that people that are <clears throat> in their adversities as they're building up the pressure to awaken uh the people that who are in their adversities are giving us as light workers an opportunity to shine our light even brighter so we shine our light brighter by helping those who are in need or at the very least, if we're not called to physically participate in someone's evolution, to at least energetically or intentionally to participate by seeing the people whose lives are in a state of reconstruction and to send blessings to their heart for the evolution of their soul, knowing that the more often we bless people, as you so beautifully put by saying namaste to all the homeless people, uh, as we bless each person for their greatest good, only more of our greatest good comes to life. And of course, if we are trying to bless people with greater good just for the purpose of spiking our greatest good, it doesn't quite have the same 
effect as when it happens authentically. So when we authentically bless the livelihood and evolution of others, our realities get amplified when coming from such a deep, pure, and authentic space. So true. So true. Put it's the intention. So mm -hmm. it's not looking at the homeless and feeling sorry for them or pity. That's the the the, the vibration because everything is vibration, and the mm -hmm. vibration of pity is not the same as I honor you in your mm -hmm. journey as a unique divine aspect of God, because mm -hmm. I know that's what you are. You're mm -hmm. not separate from me, you're not separate from God. And when mm -hmm. you look upon another with that knowing, it's <clears throat> a vibration then, oh, I feel so sorry for them. It's a pity, you know, pity, that pity vibration is not a very, you know, it, it can come, it can have compassion with it, but it's still a, a, a lower vibration. And again, a lower, it's just vibration. It's so you have your like your lower chakras, your higher mm -hmm. chakras. You have your lower vibration and your higher vibration, and it's not a judgment because all mm -hmm. of it is God. You That's know, right. all of it. There is nothing separate from God. So when That's you right. understand that and honor everybody exactly where they are, then you feel. So now I don't know. Your new book, now when was it? It was just published recently. Can everybody yeah. see that? Yes. Your new book, Everything is Here to Help You. Please, let's get, we didn't even get an opportunity to get too much into your book. Let's, let's dive mm -hmm. into the book. Absolutely. And, you know, when we were talking about pity, we were speaking of it, you know, really we have an opportunity in every moment to see from the soul's perspective or the ego's point of view. And when we see from the ego's point of view, such as like a homeless person, we will see what through the eyes of pity, which means I am acknowledging their adversity while forgetting that they're God. The other side of it is I acknowledge there's so much God that I probably don't need to help them in any way, which may or may not be the case. But the middle ground is I honor the divine in them. I witness their struggles. And if I'm inspired to help in any way, it's probably going to only bring about more God in both of us. And so that middle ground of really seeing and responding from the soul's perspective is precisely why I wrote Everything is Here to Help You, so that I could take people on a journey out of the incubation of ego, which again, ego is just the soul in its most dormant phase of incubation, and into the fully matured and embodiment of our soul's eternal light, but to take that journey from the soul's perspective and not the ego's point of view. And when we do that, we wind up taking the most heart-centered, courageous, and authentic journey. We accelerate our healing and our activations, and we learn how to come from the purity of our soul's viewpoint uh, simply by aligning with a light that is all-knowing and all-loving and is simply waiting to enter our fields and inhabit these bodies and to move us forward as we surrender. So throughout the book, I take people through the seven stages of surrender, the five cornerstones of self-love, and really all the ways in which we can complete our spiritual journey from the most loving frequency. So again, we can align with the soul from the soul's point of view. We can embody the light of our highest potential for the well-being of our journeys and for the evolution of the whole. Yes, so beautifully put. Can you give us some some examples from the book in the sense that I I understand and I, I, I try in every now moment just to follow that 
that that inner guidance i call it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and um you know sometimes you have to quiet sometimes you have to take a deep breath to really sure. quiet that mind to hear that inner guidance but i you know everybody is on their unique journey and everybody everything things resonate with people differently so what yeah. may resonate with me may not resonate with another person so sure. can you just give a few tips on how a person can maybe follow that inner guidance of theirs sure well i think you know <clears throat> one of the uh confusions people have is they think if i don't know how something is here to help me i'm not sure i believe that it is so I think people put themselves into a standoff with their own highest insight by saying, I must first learn why everything's here to help me before I can accept that to be true. Of course, the major difference between the ego and the soul, the ego looks at adversity and says, what a hardship, what an inconvenience. The soul looks at any moment of adversity and says, what a miracle unfolding. So when we are in a position to open up and evolve on a spiritual level, I think the first step that everyone can take is that we don't actually have to know why something is here to help us, but instead we can say, we can do, of course, we have to always leave with honesty because honesty is a cornerstone uh, and a core attribute of the soul. And we say with honesty, I don't know how this is here to help me, but I open up to a level of consciousness where this is going to be all helpful and not hurtful, and I allow my highest guidance to show me how this is helping me now that I've opened up to that possibility. So we don't have to know how anything is here to help us, but we can simply open up to, if everything's here to help me, please show me how this is helping instead of hurting. Another thing I put in the book, and it's literally a cosmic law, is that while everything is bound to change, there's a cosmic law that nothing can enter your reality unless it's destined to change you for the better. So we don't know how everything is here to help us, but we open up to that consciousness to see how things are all helpful and not hurtful. And we know that while everything's bound to change, whether we want it to change or not, it only can come into our realities if it's going to change us over time for the better. Yes, I agree. I always say the way my wording, which is the same thing, is mm -hmm. everything happens for our highest good, whether we yes. know why or not. And then I, mm -hmm. I've, I've given up on trying to know the why of everything. Um, a lot of times the why does come to me, maybe not right away, but later on down the line, a lot of times the why will just come, oh, that's why that happened. I get yeah. it, you know? But I don't have to know the why. I just mm -hmm. know in my heart that everything happens for my highest good. And, mm -hmm. and oh, like you say, open up to that knowing and, and I know that everybody gets there in their own time in the sense like I always say that our biggest challenges are our greatest blessings and that's mm -hmm. always really hard on a human you know on that mind level um uh, my only son is now in spirit um four mm -hmm. years ago um july 1st he transitioned and I know he's not gone I know he's still with me and I know that in that transitioning it was for his highest good and my highest good and i know and he's only 20 he was only 29 years old at the time and so a lot of people will say how how can you you know but when you when you go from the spirit spirit consciousness your soul consciousness your soul's knowing 
that everything happens for the highest good, then you have a peace that brings you peace of mind. So yeah. that's, so that's what, so I, I do, you know, I know that everything in my life is a blessing, even though at the time, you know, we don't always know that, but I think it, it, it does, it does make going through this journey that we chose to go through uh, a little bit sweeter to know mm -hmm. that there's a, there's a, a blessing in those tears. There's blessings in those tears, yes. Absolutely. How yeah. did he pass, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, he, he passed, it was July 1st, 2014. So it's been exactly four years that, that he's been in spirit. Mm -hmm. And he communicates mm -hmm. with me all the time. I mean, I'm oh, not, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not like psychic or medium in the sense that I don't hear him audibly. But I know if I ask him a question, he answers me, and I hear it in my I heart. Yes, I, I hear the, that. I hear the answer in my heart. So wow. he, he's very much still with me. Anyway, I say I say he's actually more with me now that he's in spirit than he was when he was in the physical because he lived on his own. He was doing his own thing. He's a grown man, you know. I mm. I when he, he lived away from home, I heard from him on Mother's Day on my birthday, you know, holidays, mm. you know, but now I hear from him all the time. I truly do. <laughs> and so, yeah. yes. It's amazing. It's amazing that as souls, you know, when we leave the physical form, how we reacquaint ourselves with the things that really matter. And, yes. you know, sometimes when we're in the physical body and we're dealing with conditioning and we're dealing with the conditioning of not just our individual energy fields, but of the, of the planetary conditioning, you know, there are things that when, when we're in the body that seem so important and that occupy so much of our time, and there are so many things that fall by the wayside, and whether it's the threat of an illness, mm -hmm. uh, the inevitability of death, the loss of a loved one as they transition, as you said, it's amazing how when we change shape and form and return back to uh, consciousness outside of the physical body, how we remember the things that are most important and you, you are so beautifully having an experience of connecting with your son more often now in the afterlife than when he was here. And I think for all of us, you know, and one thing I really point out in the book, everything is here to help you. It's that the adversities we face are like many traumas or many, or many threats to our livelihoods and even to our lives. And it's done to shake up our consciousness and to reprioritize what really matters. Because once you're on the, on the other side in the afterlife, and you go, oh my God, I now see where my priorities were and weren't. And then you beg to come back here and incarnate because you want to try it again. Yes. But when we awaken, we actually remember the soul's wisdom before going back to heaven to rewatch this and remember it. So we start to reprioritize our life. We make relationships more of a priority. We allow connecting heart to heart to be more of a priority. And we allow the meaningfulness and the fulfillment of each relationship, whether it's with a, a clerk at a store, our children, our parents, or even our lovers and friends and neighbors, or sometimes strangers, to be moments where we are meeting ourselves in a different form. And we are celebrating the oneness of all that is by allowing the connection and the relationship that spirit has with itself to be able to be more heart-centered and more open uh, than we've ever been before. And of course, what we learn is the more open-hearted we are in connecting with others, the more we are filled up, no matter what other people tend to deny or withhold from us.
Yes, so true. Oh, that's right. You had said before we had lost power, you had said that um, sometimes when we feel that um, we ask to ask the question if we are judging another, to ask mm -hmm. the question why, do, what do we think that person is holding back from no. us? That's right. And, and so that is so good that to ask these questions in the midst of those moments where we feel like we need to judge another are those moments when we're going to, through our most difficulty to ask, okay, I'm told, even if I don't buy into it right away, I'm told that everything happens for my highest good. So in the midst of that moment to ask, mm -hmm. okay, why is it happening? for my high school, right. even if you don't get an answer right away. Like I said, so I don't always, and we don't always have to know the why, but it does help. <laughs> it helps it us, like, okay, that, that, our ego likes that a lot. Well, of course. Yes, and, yes, you know, yes. I would say that judgment is a confession of deficiency. That in order to judge another, we are simply becoming aware of how deficient we are. And our deficiencies are because we often project those needs onto other people and wait for them to fulfill it. And then when they don't, we get resentful for how much we give and don't get in return. Um, at which at the same time, in, in many cases, uh, people are in relationships where they're giving and not getting. And those are opportunities where we look at, wow, is this is it time for me to walk away from this relationship and make room for uh, more equitable interactions to occur? And that certainly is very much uh, necessary sometimes but at the same time if we find ourselves constantly judging others as a confession of deficiency then what we tend to look at in ourselves is i am in some way maintaining an identity of deficiency by making my needs other people's problems and then when they don't fulfill the needs that they don't know that i've asked them to fulfill in me or that they're not even designed to fulfill me, the problem I've given them secretly now becomes my secret problem with them. And we find that confession of deficiency to be what we call a judgment. And so if we're judging, because I think a lot of times spiritual beings get really sensitive to, okay, I know judgment isn't good, I shouldn't do it. But I think condemning a judgment, which is basically judging a judgment, mm -hmm. is not necessarily gleaning the wisdom from it, because you're not going to graduate beyond the threshold of judgment unless you learn what it's here to teach you. And I do this in so many different examples with judgment to jealousy to anger to sadness in everything is here to help you. I really break down how is anger helping us? How is sadness helping us? And judgment, of course, judgment is a confession of deficiency where the needs that I can fulfill in myself have been projected onto someone else. And the problem I've given someone else to fulfill what they can't fulfill in me now it creates a secret problem I have with them. And so as we balance and align with the five cornerstones of self-love that I outline in this book and take the journey to, through the seven stages of surrender, what we find is we learn from judgment, we learn to be whole, complete in ourselves, physically, energetically, uh, emotionally. And from that place of wholeness, we can meet everyone where they're at, we don't have to ask anything of another person. Certainly, we're not going to put ourselves in relationships that are entangled, abusive, and codependent, and toxic. But at the same time, we can meet everyone where they're at in their journey. We can honor the divine that's waking up in them. And we can simply be honored to be a part of a journey with another. 
instead of cause constantly demanding other people to give us what they're probably not designed to even share. Yes, I agree with you a thousand percent. I used mm. to, in my younger days, say, I'm looking for my better half. But I'm <laughs> like, no, 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 no. It's not about two half of a people coming together to make a whole. Mm. It's about two whole people. Two people that are whole within themselves coming together just to enhance that mm. wholeness and not looking every, like you said, everything is in you, within you to, mm. to be whole. You're not a half of a person, you're a whole person. And mm. when two whole people come together, that, those are the greatest relationships. Now, like you said, the codependent relationships are when like, you know, I'm looking for my better half. I'm, I want this person to do this for me. And they're, like you said, they're not designed. Mm -hmm. that they're not there you are designed you are your own savior you mm -hmm. are your own guru i like that you you have it within you and when when you understand that it, it it's just life becomes so beautiful mm, it really does I, I love what you say that and again at the same time you know the insight is true we are our own guru once we have reached that guru level and i think that in order to be a teacher unto ourselves, we have to be taught how to be that for ourselves and again through my book everything is here to help you through my group healing events whether people watch attend live or through live streaming mm -hmm. which i now offer you know my intention is i'm here to activate masters i'm here to awaken souls and i'm here to serve the intention of the universe that works through me to really teach people step by step, you know, yeah, you are your own highest guidance onto yourself. You are your own highest teacher. But how do you actually get to know that wisdom within you? How do you access it? And how do you actually become the fully conscious and actualized yes. guru onto yourself? And so I think that, of course, that's the end point is that people become their own sustaining, sovereign flow of consciousness. Yes. And then where people are currently in some respects is not quite being aligned with the wisdom that is of that highest consciousness. So, of course, the end game is that we are all going to be our own autonomous transmissions of awakened consciousness yes. as we make our way through this awakening process to become this wisdom onto ourself. And, of course, it is the receiving of wisdom, the embodiment of wisdom, the response of wisdom and the integration of our wisdom and the implementation of our wisdom and action that allows such a process to unfold. And that's one of the greatest joys of my work that I love sharing with people is I love being the kind of guide and teacher that can teach people how to guide themselves. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And I say that's the best. Teachers. Yes. I say we're we're all teachers and we're all students, but I the teachers that say my goal is to help you to empower you of course. To, to be your own guru is that's the best. Right. And so please share with our listeners. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, especially <laughs> since we had that little interruption in the show. But uh, please share I'll share um where are our listeners can find you, yeah. where they can find your books, and also your events, upcoming events. Sure. Well, my book, Everything is Here to Help You, is available on Amazon and 
in every major uh, book retailer. Uh, please, you know, purchase a copy on Amazon, go into your bookstore, request it, um, give it out to your friends and family. And it was so amazing because when I, when I channel a book, I encode the words with a healing vibration. People often will hold my books and they'll put them through their beds. And it's really kind of like not just a book, but a vortex of healing energy. So that book is available now. And for information of my upcoming events, my group healing tour, which you can attend in person and via live streaming, it's all at www.natcon.org. That's M-A-T-T-K-A-H-N dot O-R-G. And in the upper right-hand corner, you can click on the live stream and watch from the comfort of your home. You can awesome. click on the events uh, page and, and buy tickets and come join us in person and even sign up for our free newsletter. But really, it's really an opportunity to come together as one, to join the love revolution and to help awaken the consciousness of humanity one I love you at a time. Beautiful, beautiful. When will you be on the East Coast? I don't get to the West Coast that often. Well, let's see, this week, so uh, this Friday through Sunday, I'm doing a retreat at the Omega Institute, so that's pretty East Coast, so I'll be yeah, in Rhinebeck, yeah. New York. Um, yes. My tour will take me to New York later in the year. I'm doing Toronto uh, later in the year, and then perhaps next year, I'm also going to be going to the UK for the first time, and perhaps I'll be doing more East Coast next year, but I'm just okay. kind of dipping my toe in the East Coast, and uh, okay. just getting to know the East Coast energy, because, you know, first time yeah. I went to New York, I stepped off the plane, and I went, whoa, uh, it's, it's, this place it's, is for real. Yes, New York is, I, have to, I live in the Poconos, I live in the heart of the yeah. Pocono Mountains, which I'm an hour and a half away from New York City, and if I could go to the sea, see, I'm a mountain girl, I'm a country girl, I need nature, I just love nature, but if I go into the city maybe once a year that's a lot for me but wow. it is it's a total culture shock but it's a it's something it's good to to, to have that diversity you know to really just um to be immerse yourself once a year in that diversity and to open yourself up knowing that there is no separation there's no separation we're all one that mm. is so true to me it's a simple oneness is a simple truth of the universe that there is no division there is are no borders we're all one and it's all unconditional love mm -hmm. thank you so much i appreciate you so much and being Thank you, and being patient through our uh, our power outage, but all works in divine perfect. So you you say this weekend you're going to be upstate New York. Oh yeah, I'm flying oh. out Thursday, and I'll be at Omega in Rhinebeck, New York, for four, three days, and I go awesome. back to New York City later this year. And, and by the way, thank you for also shining your light. I really have enjoyed connecting with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being my guest. I appreciate yeah. you so much. And so much love to you. And <laughs> I just, my heart is just so open. So much love. Thank you. And I appreciate you being my guest. And we'll, yeah. we'll keep in touch. I'll follow you. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Okay. It's uh, rebooting.